Welcome, Pure Port readers and listeners, to another edition of the Pure Report Podcast. Energized by Celsius, I am John Legner from PureReport.com, along with my good friend, the one and only JC, JT Allen in the house. What's up, JC? How are you doing today? I'm doing great, man. It's another, you know, beautiful day down here in Florida. Can't complain. Weather's perfect. You know, training camp starts in, what, six days now? So I think the rookies already reported yesterday. So rookies are already in the building. They reported on the 18th. So, I mean, we're already we're already at under work. Uh, I think it's like catching Bucks fans by surprise here, right? Like they've kind of been out of the the little loop here. Um, You know, I don't know if that's uh, if they're ready for this, right? Yeah, I mean, it's it's really snuck them on us kind of quick. I mean, Carmen Vitale, you know, shout out to her. She she you know tweeted out that all the coaches are already in the building, so things are getting rolling. We've got the White House visit tomorrow, the ring ceremony on Thursday, and then training mm-hmm. camp starts on Sunday. It's here. Football is back, and man, I I am I'm very excited. I don't know about you. Um, I'm extremely excited, and I'm extremely excited that uh, for the whatever number of show, almost a full year now of shows. Celsius is the title sponsor of the Peter Report podcast, and we love the products. I did finally, I got some Celsius. I was drank, oh. I drank one yesterday. Yes, I got some. I'm up in PA, by the way, for people who are tuning in and have missed that. I'm up in Pennsylvania for uh, for another two weeks, and so I'll be up here. I'm actually going to miss the start of training camp. So you, uh, JC, and and Matt and Scott will have it all covered, and we'll have a, a, a our team, the Peter Report team, will be down there covering everything. And so that will be great uh, to have you guys there at the event, but I'll miss the first week. Cause I'm actually one of my best friends is getting married up here and I'm in the wedding and my daughter gets to be in the wedding too. So that's, oh, a little that's... side. yeah, she's a flower girl. So a little side story there, but anyway, I've been without my normal stock of Celsius. Cause I was going to bring that much on the plane. I did get a couple <laughs> bottles, but uh, so I've been able to find some Celsius drink it, which has been uh, tremendous. And I think I might even get some new flavors. I've never tried up here. In Pennsylvania, oh. so yes, very excited yeah, I, about that. I tried the uh, the raspberry acai mm-hmm. uh, green tea today for the first time. I wasn't sure I was going to like it, but it was actually it's non carbonated, um, but it's it's really really surprisingly good. Yeah. And I'm not yeah. a big raspberry guy, but I was like, you know what, this is the one flavor I haven't tried. Let me get it. Let me try it. And yeah. it was it was phenomenal. Yeah, they they do some great stuff. There's no question about it. People who don't know Celsius powers active lives every day with essential functional energy. They are the number one energy drink out there. There's no letdown. There's no sugar. It tastes unbelievable. There's tons of different flavors. You got to check it out. Go to Celsius.com. Use the store locator. Find out where they are near you or click those Celsius ads over on PeterReport.com. The banner ads you'll see up on the site. Click those and get yourself some Celsius. I'll tell you, I drink a Celsius every day. I'm not a big coffee drinker. I don't drink coffee. So in the morning, I start my day with a Celsius. It gives me the energy that I need to get going, get moving, especially when I've got to get two kids, you know, ready for school and get them there on time, get myself to work on time. So, you know, Celsius, if you haven't tried it out, looking for an alternative to, you know, one of those other energy drinks or coffee in general, mm-hmm. you got to you gotta try it out. And, yeah. And just- I'm going to. I'm going to need some Celsius, Josh, because uh, I see people saying, cancel the wedding. <laughs> we need all hands on deck, John. I appreciate that, Bucks time. Uh, here's the thing. I am uh, going to do not – I can't do that, but I can do the next best thing, which is drive through the night from the night the wedding ends from Pennsylvania, Erie, Pennsylvania area, all the way back to Florida, not to be there in time for the August 1st training camp. I won't make it in time, but I'm going to drive but with the family, with two kids. A four and a one year old, mind you, drive through the night Boston, to make so it. To, look, you know what I mean. To make <laughs> it back in time for Bucks training camp 
on August 2nd. So that is the plan. So yes, the boy is committed. Is that Amish country up there in Erie? No, not Erie. Uh, that's on the other side. That's the oh, eastern okay. side, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, not Erie, though. Yeah, so it'll be it'll be a hike. But going through the night, I'll be able to shave a couple hours off of it. And yeah. your boy can go without too much sleep. So I'm looking forward to it. Speaking of things we're looking forward to, oh, here we go. Bucks training camp previews are starting today. I am excited about this, Josh, because when we get to start talking about these kind of things and we're doing these previews in earnest, it means seeing football players on a football field playing actual football is not far off. So very excited about that and excited to be able to get into some of these matchups right away. Let's start with the wide receiver room because it's the best. It's probably the best position group on this team. It's probably the best wide receiver room in the NFL. We're mainly going to focus on camp battles, either for starting spots or for roster spots. So there'll be two different sections of battles. There are very few starting spot battles, but I want to touch on something and let it segue us into the rest of our show here about the wide receiver group, at least. What do you think happens? We know the top three. They're set. Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Antonio Brown. If no injuries occur, those three will be your snap leaders for the Bucks at the wide receiver position at the end of the year. What happens with the distribution of snaps between Scotty Miller and Tyler Johnson and Jalen Darden? Let's put into the discussion. And let me preface this before I let you respond. Remember, Scotty Miller, even though we all agree he's the wide receiver four on this team and he's the fourth best receiver on this team, I there's the reality of his usage against Tyler Johnson's and that Tyler Johnson is more versatile usage receiver and Scotty is is kind of a one trick pony a little bit. I'm not saying he couldn't be more than that. He I think he could be and can be. Maybe he will be. That's the real question. That will he be or will they just ask him to keep doing what he does really well? Let Tyler Johnson continue to grow as more of an all around guy in case they do end up losing Chris Godwin. Or does Tyler Johnson have a hard time getting on the active game day roster because? He would be the wide receiver six if Jalen Darden's the return guy and wide receiver six, you know, you're not activating him for the five offensive snaps he might play or activating him for all the special team snaps he'll play. And Tyler Johnson hasn't exactly stood out on special teams yet. So a ton of questions kind of mixed in there. But what happens at wide receiver four, JC? I think the biggest thing that you mentioned was the last guy you mentioned was Jalen Darden. Because, you know, we've seen the speed that this guy possesses, his ability to get off the line, how quick, how shifty he is. You know, he doesn't have necessarily the long speed Scotty has, but if he can develop that style of his game and he's also a returner, it might even push Scotty down the, the depth chart. It's a lot to ask a fourth round pick to come in and be that guy right away, develop that chemistry. So in the long, you know, in the long term, though, I think that's some a type of role he can take. But I think Scotty. Uh, the way he had progressed last year, we saw it at camp. I mean, his connection right off the bat with with Brady and then going into the season. I mean, we talked about it. He led the team in yards at the halfway point of the season. And a part of that was because Godwin was injured and obviously Antonio Brown wasn't on the team. But I still think there's a there's a way for them to use him in certain aspects. Uh, you saw it at the end of the season, even with Antonio Brown, even with Chris Godwin. I think he still takes over that fourth role spot. The question then becomes, as in your secondary question, is if he's the fourth guy, who takes that fifth spot? Is it a Darden? Is it a a Tyler Johnson? And mm-hmm. you know, the Twitter sphere right here is still all all about Tyler Johnson. That spectacular yeah. catch he made against the Saints will not leave their brain. And I don't think it's a situation where you try to cut a Tyler Johnson and sneak him on to the, the, you know, through the waiver wire to the practice squad. But at some point, if Darden does, and, and we talked about maybe them keeping seven wide receivers. So, mm-hmm. you know, if Darden does become the, the, the primary return man. 
you know, he's active automatically. So you already have five receivers active. And then I think, you know, much like other positions on this roster, it's really going to be game day specific. Can they use Tyler Johnson? Can they implement him in some ways that they can justify having six wide receivers active on the roster? And that's going to be the question going forward. How much does he progress during training camp to make them have to keep him on the roster because of how good he is and what he brings to the table? So uh, uh, training camp is going to decide a lot of these battles, a lot of these situations, and it's going to come down to the players to put the work in and show and prove to the staff why they deserve to be on the active roster week in and week out. You bring up a good point about Tyler Johnson. He could impress them enough. Remember, it's not just training camp practices. That might not be enough. Now it's preseason games as well. I got news for you. Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Antonio Brown aren't going to play a lot in the preseason. That's just the reality, especially with three of those games now. They're going to get their game two in, in the second game. They're going to get their probably other audition. They're probably not going to play at all in the third game, maybe play a little bit in the first game. But it's going to be Tyler Johnson is going to be allowed, especially with the depth they have, they're going to want to put him, you know, test him and allow him to play a lot probably in the preseason. So he's going to get a huge opportunity. And if within that opportunity, he balls out, now it becomes a struggle for the Bucs. How do we sit this guy in game days? Even if he sucks at special teams, how do we sit him if he's balling out like this? And if he can fill potentially two wide receiver spots and a given package for us, there's a lot of things we like about him. How do we sit him down? Maybe it's just like, you know what? We're just going to get the best that he has to offer on special teams. He'll probably be a weak link. We hope it doesn't bite us. You know, special teams doesn't matter quite as much as it used to, at least in terms of kick and probably even punt coverage, to be honest, these days. But, um, yeah, I just uh, – that's to me, is the question with Tyler Johnson because of what Paul's saying here. I wonder if Scotty's route tree can expand. And Paul brings up a good point. Until that happens for Scotty Miller, or maybe it doesn't happen, or maybe they don't even want it to happen with Scotty Miller – because they want him to focus on being as good as he can in his specific role right now, it leaves open options for other guys to get involved in the offense because Scotty is not this do-it-all number four where Tyler Johnson could be offensively, but he's not going to be able to stretch the field like Scotty will, and that's where he's kind of negative. So they're really the Scotty and Tyler are kind of perfect complements of each other, but they're different, and so how much each gets used might depend on the matchup that happens that week, and there could be weeks – if Jalen Darden comes out and wows, all of a sudden now Jalen Darden's got to be active, right? He's your return guy. Exactly. Now you have to, have, you know, who's wide receiver six on game day? So they keep seven receivers. Is there a path for a guy like Justin Watson to work himself onto the game day active roster as the sixth guy where Tyler Johnson would have to sit for a week here and there because he's just not as good on special teams and he's probably not going to play on offense in that game. Or not even, not even Justin, you mentioned Justin Watson, but not even, I mean, we're already here crowning Jalen Darden as a returner, but what if he shows throughout the preseason and throughout training camp that he's not ready to handle those primary duties? Well, now you're stuck with a guy like possibly Jaden Mickens, and I'll have a I'll have a bonus training camp battle for you guys this Friday before my recap on Saturday, detailing the the return duties. And if if not, if something happens with Jaden Mickens, because if you read the article yesterday that was put out by Peter Report, he might be facing criminal charges and he might be off the team. But if Jalen Darden, now we're at a situation where the team might really have no return, man. So there's so many different layers of this with special teams. And if, if Tyler Johnson, you mentioned if he balls out and they have to, well, what if he doesn't ball out? What if he just does enough that, you know, he'll they they can't risk passing him through waivers that they want to keep him mm -hmm. on the roster and continue his development. But now you need someone to play that special teams role. So now you need seven wide receivers and you're not going to have six. How are you going to have? You know, it becomes a situation. Does Scotty get sit for Darden to be a return man and Justin Watson to play special? It's a very, 
I'm not envious of the position that the Bucks put themselves in in that wide receiver group because they're going to make a lot of tough decisions. Yeah, and that's not even getting into some of the other guys who were on the practice squad. Jason Light on this very podcast said that he's really excited to see what Travis Johnson can do. Former mm-hmm. quarterback, um, I think is out of Montana, uh, Montana State, Montana State. Yeah, and you know that's high praise. They liked him a lot. If he can develop too, now you're throwing him into the mix. So it, it's gonna be it's gonna be one of the biggest battles, not necessarily for the for the bottom top three four, but for those last mm-hmm. couple and, and what they choose to do. It's gonna be interesting to see how it all plays out. It is. And, I, you know, as you answer this next part of what I'll, I'm going to kind of look something up as you that, that popped into my head. But Bucks Time 12 says, yes, Scotty compliments everyone with big plays, but he doesn't need to do the dirty work in the slot. He is not really that guy. No, he's not. And he yeah. knows that. And the Bucks know that. And they don't ask him to play in the slot because of that uh, very often. And so it is it is a role for Scotty. And it's for a little bit more than that for Tyler Johnson. Someone said uh, Sam SoCal says, in my opinion, Tyler Johnson is going to surpass Scotty this year on the depth chart, mainly because of his better versatility. Scotty will be used for outside deep passes. Darden is going to take Micken's spot. Um, yeah, this is interesting, Sam, because I would say, and I, this is what I'm going to look up as you respond to this so I can make sure that I'm accurate in this. I don't know that I would even call it surpassing. The The tricky part here is that Scotty Miller gives you something that's so valuable, you have to have it active on game days. Mm. Splash playability. I mean, think about the plays that this guy made. He just got very mm. few opportunities. But a lot of the plays he made, even over the second half of the season, where he was the wide receiver four or five and, and barely playing, and sometimes getting out snapped by Tyler Johnson, his impact per game was greater because you can't replicate the speed that he brings to the field. He's one of the fastest players in the league. He can't replicate that speed with another player or by taking him out of the lineup or things like that. You, they need that in this offense. So, yes, Scotty Miller is less versatile, but what he provides is more valuable as a receiver. So, his Game day activeness is not in my mind, JC. Like, although I know what people are saying when they say Tyler Johnson could surpass Scotty on the depth chart, they're saying Tyler Johnson could out snap Scotty Miller in a game on the depth chart. Well, that already happened last year, but I don't think it means Tyler Johnson is less likely to be an active on game day than Scotty Miller, like, or more likely to be active on game day than Scotty Miller. To me, I think Scotty's more of a lock for game day activeness, even yeah. if he plays eight snaps, because those eight snaps are that valuable to what the Bucks are doing where Tyler Johnson may not hold the same value offensively. Exactly. And you need someone to take the top off the defense. And that's exactly what Scotty does. If you looked at uh, some of the great articles that we had come out by, you know, um, by Paul and um, Jack this week, talking about Mm -hmm. route concepts and the go concept, you need someone that's going to be able to just go take the top off, open things for underneath, keep the cornerbacks honest. So they're not, you know, uh, crowding the line of scrimmage. So Scotty gives you that. And a lot of the things what you're saying, and I'm seeing the versatilities repeated over and over again with Tyler Johnson, a lot of <laughs> it's funny because his versatility might just hurt him because mm. you have two guys who are versatile in Antonio Brown and in Chris Godwin who can play pretty much anywhere. You know, although, yeah. you know, John will tell you, you know, Brown plays less in the slot, but it's still a position that he's comfortable in and can make plays from. Godwin, we know, can play anywhere on the field anytime. We saw a lot of Mike Evans towards the second half of the season playing some slot too. And when you have a player that's that versatile to, to pair with other players who are that versatile, who is not good at any one thing but good at you know a bunch of different uh, scotty excels as a deep threat that's what he is that's his job that's his role tyler johnson doesn't really have a role we don't know his role but we know he can do many things well um he's kind of like the ryan gomes right now with the bucks team <laughs> a little basketball reference there but 
you know, it, it's going to be interesting to see how both of these two roles play together because do you want the guy who can fill in and do a little bit of everything if something should happen to Antonio Brown or something should happen to Chris Godwin who hasn't been the perfect picture of health you know, throughout his career? Do you want that insurance policy of Tyler Johnson or do you want to have that guy who's going to take the top off, be that deep threat, and allow you to work underneath to a guy like you know Chris Godwin and, and Antonio Brown and let them make – these big gains and Giovanni Bernard. Now that you've got a true passing catching back, you, you know, Scotty takes off for one route, mm-hmm. makes corners creep back, you know, then you hit him with a wheel route out to the running back. I mean, that, that can create a lot of room for him to run. Right. Tony says Tyler Johnson isn't going anywhere. That's just silly. I'm not sure what that means. We haven't talked about him going anywhere. We are just saying in terms of uh, his, his play, how much he's going to play. If he could be an active for certain matchups, for example, like what I mean was when I say certain matchups, you look over the snaps counts from last season, Scotty Miller against Tyler Johnson, and see who played more snaps, especially after the bye week and after Brown was a little bit more established and they knew, okay, this guy's going to take this amount of snaps. There were weeks where Tyler Johnson outsnapped Scotty Miller. There were weeks where Tyler Johnson barely played. It really depended on the matchup. Like, for example, against the Saints in the, in the NFC Championship game, Tyler Johnson played 12 snaps, which is not very many. And Scotty Miller played, or sorry, this was the conference championship game against the Packers. Scotty Miller played 27. So a significant difference. Scotty Miller was playing way more in that matchup than Tyler Johnson was, probably based on game plan. Before that, though, it was Tyler Johnson against the Saints. It had been Tyler Johnson who played 15 snaps, and it was Scotty Miller who played just eight. So there was a difference week to week in terms of which player was more valuable to them at that given time. Now you have a guy like Jalen Darden entering the picture as well. And he is going to probably, it's safe to assume, be a better upgrade offensively than what Jaden Mickens was last year if you had decided to use him in that way. Given the fact they traded up from the fourth round, I'm guessing the Bucs feel that way about him. Um, so we'll see how he develops too. But all that could create a log jam that defines roles kind of on game days. And so that's what we're kind of I'm trying to identify here. Paul brings Seems- up a good point here. And if you haven't started to read – what you say, JC? I was going to say it's going to be really scheme-specific uh, who, who takes – Who's the you know who's going to be cut from or not cut? Who's going to be inactive? You know, it's really yeah. going to be game plan specific, scheme specific. What are they trying to do? A guy like Darden, you can use him in kind of a Henry Ruggs type style too, because of his speed and his quick get off and his ability to just you know make defenders miss. So it's going to really just I think week to week we'll see. You know, Scotty might be inactive and then Tyler might be inactive. But right. Right. There's a lot There's a lot to this. Uh, Paul brings up a good point here. If you haven't checked out Paul's articles on PeterReport.com, he did a great article the other day on Bruce Arians' go-route concept. And it's just a great opportunity to learn more about the offense you're going to watch for the next couple of seasons. And you just watched last season. like It's a lot of stuff in place. And he teaches you in really simple terms and how you can identify them as fans watching the game. You can be like, oh, that's that's the play. Like That's the one that you know, that's the concept. This is how it works. And this is why you know that player was in this position. And just makes you a little bit smarter as fans. It's, it's fun. Uh, so Paul's written some good stuff for us. He says, I think Tyler Johnson is going to struggle to see the field. Scotty offers something unique. While TJ is good, Godwin and AB do everything Johnson does, but at an elite level. I think that that's, that's a fair point, except for I would say Johnson probably a better ceiling as a blocker than AB. But you know, with Godwin active, that might become, you know, if he's active, that might become less important. We're obviously operating from that point. Paul adds, I think the next step for Scotty is more deep cross concepts. Think Wasp play concept. Saw some of it, but if he can develop a deep post and a cutback, that'd be huge. Yes, there aren't a lot of breaks even at the top of Scotty Miller's routes. You don't even see a lot of like posts or any in-breaking stuff from Scotty Miller right now. It is a lot of very just linear stuff. So I wonder, yeah, you would think he has the 
the skill set for that. I mean, a Chargers game, play action from the shotgun scored. I cannot remember the play concept right now, but it was again, it was like a crossing route for him, I believe, if I'm recalling correctly. I probably haven't seen that play since week four, or whatever it was, but that's what's in my mind, anyways, that he scored, I think from maybe from the slot on on a on a on a on a crossing route. Um get a good, you know, comeback route, uh, you know, and sell that post route real good and just do that quick hitch turnaround. Ooh, that, that that could be that could be deadly. There could be a lot of things that Scotty Miller does down the field vertically that expand, even if he's never going to be the 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 short team. Now, and he could be more. I I think he could be more. He's just that he's so good at what he does, and he only is going to play a certain amount of snaps. You kind of want to use all those snaps to do yeah. what he does best. And you don't you want know, to take some shots. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to you don't want to target him on three bubble screens. Probably he has not been like great after the catch either. That's not been like a – they tried a little bit last year. Maybe it's in his wheelhouse still, and he just needs a larger sample size. I just don't think that's going to happen in Tampa Bay. So you kind of got to – he's not going to get a manufactured touch guy, sort of like Mike Evans. They're not going to get all those manufactured touches that, that other guys get. You know, I love talking about some of these concepts and some of the more intricate roles of these receivers. This is what sets Peter Report apart from the, from the others in the business, is the ability to kind of go analyze the details and break things down a little bit. And one of the ways that we do that, one of the platforms we do that on, Josh, is is Spotify Greenroom. Uh, our partnership yeah. with them has been really, really awesome. The Peter Report account over at Spotify Greenroom. What do you have cooking there? I know you spend a lot of time in there, and Bucks fans have gotten to know you very well in that on that platform. What do you have cooking for this week as Bucks training camp is looming? Oh, we're gonna we're gonna do kind of a little bit what we're doing here. We're gonna start breaking down some of these position battles, some of these training camp battles. Some of uh, I want to I want to know what the fans and, and what Bucks fans are really looking forward to most. I want to kind of pick their brain a little bit and, and, you know, build upon, you know, what are they looking forward? Uh, are they looking forward to preseason games being back? Are they looking for a full training camp going to training camp? Uh, you know, I want to understand more about this, the fan experience having a full off season because it's different this year because last year all of it was taken away from us so i want to know what they're feeling as super bowl champions heading into uh because you know i know you know the feeling i know the feeling headed into training camp as defending champions with a still very strong roster going and i want to know what they're feeling i want to know what the what the level is what the attitude and what the mindset is and and you know kind of break down some of this this training camp uh talk as well so it's gonna should be a good show tomorrow night yes yeah, absolutely. Spotify Green Room. If you follow Peter Report in there, you don't have to worry about exactly when the show times are. We'll post them and then we'll also you'll get uh, an invitation when we go live. So you get a notification so you don't miss any of the Bucks content and coverage that we're providing over on Spotify Green Room. So go over, make yourself an account, follow Peter Report, uh, and get caught up on all the latest Buck stuff. And in season, that's when it gets really fun. Training camp, you know, there's gonna be some things on the podcast, just full disclosure. There's gonna be some things on the podcast we hear, or see that we can't say on the podcast, maybe. But then we might say I'm on Spotify Green Room if we get a uh, you know a little group in there that's interested in some inside scoopage. Might get it. we might we talk a little bit more loosely in there. Let's put it that way. I probably shouldn't advertise that, but here's here's that's the truth. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, so he, yeah, the the great um, conversation between Mickens and, uh, and yeah uh, Darden, Darden. That was that yeah. was a great little that was a great little room that night. Yes, yeah, for sure. Oh, Paul has Paul has the answers for us. He has seen this touchdown versus the Chargers. He might have just checked it for us. No, Paul. He has. Uh, so Scotty was nice. It was a verticals concept out of three by one. I remember the three by one. Who was the single receiver side? I think it was Evans, but variation with strong side number one running the quick in underneath. Interesting. I have to go back and look at that play. I don't remember necessarily seeing it a bunch, at least not with that personnel, maybe. But um, 
Yeah, fun stuff for sure. Um, no, it's gonna be it's gonna be uh, the battle to watch, right? The whole wide receiver room is gonna yeah. be. I mean, I can't wait to see Darden in training camp. We haven't uh, remember he barely he, he like missed mini camp, so we really haven't gotten. He was great at rookie mini camp, and uh, yeah, he just tore up at that level. I felt like, and then you wanted to see him against better competition. We didn't get to see him at any you know the the one on ones with the top corners and regular uh, mini camp because he was he was injured. And then Thursday, I think he did practice that week. But yeah, it was not uh it was not uh what we're used to seeing, I would say, or what we had been used to seeing. You hadn't been going full speed and everything like that on the Thursday practice. So I can't wait for that, those matchups just in general at that position. The last thing I'll touch on before we move to the other position, uh skill group positions is Justin Watson. Like I actually entered mini camp and I was like, All right, Justin Watson, you know, if he does anything, you know, and if he is on the special teams units when they run him it's a good sign for him. And I didn't see him on any of the special teams units. Like they were still running the same guys and he's played wing in the past on punt team. And Mike Edwards was still over there. And I forget who was the other guy. Somebody had replaced him. I have it in my notes and the other right wing had replaced uh, Andrew Adams and they were rolling with those guys and that was it. And so he wasn't out there for that. Um, It's early and we'll see what training camp holds. But if you're Justin Watson, you, it's not a Tyler Johnson situation. And Justin Watson, by the way, also did not ball out on offense in minicamp either. Far from it. He had two couple drops, I think. And so if you're him, you have to it's special teams. You can't, there's no hope like Tyler Johnson anymore. This is what year four for Watson, I think. And so there's no hope that, oh, we'll develop and you know, no, you're a special teams guy. Are you valuable enough in that role? He's one of their leading tacklers on special teams, or I think he was their leading tackler last year. You know, are you valuable enough in that role that they don't want to find out what life in special teams is like without you or are you just another guy that they're going to replace because if so yeah. you probably don't have a chance of making it john you ever see invincible i'm sure you have i did years ago yeah i don't really he needs it to be well. vince papali on special teams <laughs> there you this, go. this training camp if he's going to make the roster he just right. he just has to be outstanding playing out of his mind on special teams and every time he gets a chance to go out there and catch balls he can't drop anything he's got any shot of trying to make this team as a team seventh wide receiver which is just it's it's a lot, you know. I mean, yeah. I mean, we're already talking about potentially, and it's a great segue uh, uh, into potentially who might the fourth tight end be if they keep four tight ends. So mm-hmm. I mean, if you're gonna keep seven wide receivers, you really have to have this guy doing absolutely everything necessary, everything possible that he can for you to just say we can't cut this guy. We just we, yeah, we got to find a way to keep him on the team and right. short yourself at every other position, right. including fourth tight end. Yeah, and that's that's one we'll talk about as well. Nocturnal's Tech Talk says first preseason in many years that I'm excited about. Can't wait for this year to get rolling. Every Bucks fan should feel this way, man. I trusted trusted Vorbeck says August 14th can't come fast enough. Completely agree. I think that that's you know that's that's the game, right? That's the first preseason game. You got it kind of circled and everything. You know that that's going to be one that uh, he, everybody's going to want to watch. I can't wait to see the rookies play with the starters. Our backfield is going to be very exciting to watch. Agreed. It's going to be fun. Everyone, we'll talk about this tomorrow night at uh, let's do eight thirty tomorrow night. Paul, is that good for you? Come on here and talk and chop chop, shop, break down X's and O's with me. So download the Green Room app on Spotify. Do it right now. That's right. Yeah. So it's it's going to be this tight end battle is going to be the probably the quickest that we can touch on. Right. The top three are obviously set in stone. I think the practice squad rules allow Tanner Hudson to still be present on the practice squad. Right. Even though he's had a couple years of experience at this point. Correct. Yeah. So it's, it looks like it's going to be the same as, as last season where you'll be able to have veterans on the practice squad. You'll have the capability to 
um, bring them up and, and, you know, send them back down. So uh, it's looking 16 man practice squad. The only thing I think we're unsure of right now is the IR rules. Remember last year, you could put someone on IR for as little as three weeks and then bring them back. I think that's one of the one things that we're waiting to find out if it's going to be this as similar um, as last year at the end of training camp. But yeah, 16, uh, 16, 16 man practice squad veterans can be on there. It uh, doesn't matter how many accrued seasons. So him and, you know, <laughs> the next position we'll talk about uh, both have opportunities to make that team. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the running back group is kind of where there's going to be all this attention. It's going to start with RB1, right? Leonard Fournette, Ronald Jones. Everybody wants to know who's going to start the season and then who's going to take the lion's share of the carries. What do you think at this point? We are six days out from training camp. What's your prediction? You just wrote about this actually recently. I, I did. I did actually go check that out on the camp battles uh, running back outside linebackers came out today. So if you haven't checked that out, go check that out as well. But uh, you know, playoff Lenny is still so fresh in everyone's mind and everyone, you know, that's what, I mean, it's a, what have you done for me lately? Mm-hmm. And, you know, recency bias, everyone, I think, that I think everyone thinks that playoff Lenny is the guy. He's going to be the guy, right? He showed he could be the guy. Why is he going to be the guy? And I just think that Ronald Jones is just such a more explosive, dynamic runner, true, pure runner, that it just makes sense to have him out there on early downs. And now early downs is, is also his weakness, right? Because he's not a third down guy. He can't mm-hmm. has very difficult, uh, very large difficulty in pass blocking, pass protection. And he's not a great catcher, natural catcher out of the backfield. Uh, but to have him in there first, second down, and if it's a short yard situation, then you go with your guy Leonard Fournette. It's a way to keep each other. <laughs> it's a Paul. It's a way to keep each other fresh throughout the season as well. And also, if it's a longer situation, you know, you're talking about you know third and third and five, third and six. Maybe you send a guy out like Geo. The running back group is very fascinating too because you also have Keyshawn Vaughn and. You know, other than him skipping a day of OTAs, Bruce Arians have ha- has had great things to say, even going as far as he says he's going to have a breakout season. And trying to get all four of these guys on the field and get them all touches and get them all snaps, and especially at running back. It's not a wide receiver you can just throw out there. Running back, especially a guy like playoff Lenny, he needs the ball to get going, to get fed, to start getting warmed up before he really starts blowing out. So it's going to be interesting to see how they they, they manage these guys' reps, how they manage these guys' snaps, not just in the preseason, but also, you know, during once we get into normal game days. But I think Rojo's a guy right now that I'm going to put my money on as going to be the, you know, name the starting running back. Yeah, I agree with you that I believe I think Rojo is going to be the guy that starts the season. The, the talent is just going to intrigue them enough to give them one more crack at this thing. You know, Paul says, sell your playoff Lenny stocks. I mean, yeah, <laughs> that's probably the smart play at this I'm, I see Rojo blow it and Lenny get back in the conversation because of that. And I, they feel you know, the reliability factor with him. Yeah, that's possible. I think, you know, that's something that, that's going to be considered. You know, he's not a great catcher about Rojo might be the understatement of the year. That matters. You know, Bruce Arians has always kind of gravitated toward backs that could catch the football and made an impact in the passing game. That matters. And the guys that frustrate him and, and, and slow and hurt that aspect of the Bucks' offense tend to get put in the doghouse. History is an indication of that happening in other places that he's been. And so that's where I think the it's just a tough call with Rojo. Yeah, he could be the starter. Yeah, he's the best running back. But 
it doesn't mean it'll stay that way and not much has stayed consistent about Rojo's career so far. So it will be the battle to watch during training camp for sure, especially for that number one spot. Here's the thing. Nocturnal's Tech Talk brings it up. Rojo and Lenny will be battling Why Giovanni is going to beat one out due to his catching ability. At the end of the day, Arians, he's told us straight up, he values pass catching and pass protecting at the running back position. and He may, may, may values it a ton. He was going to take Antonio Gibson in the second round if Antoine Winfield Jr. hadn't been there. Antonio Gibson had like 39 carries his whole career at Memphis. Like He <laughs> just thought he was that good as a receiver. He was going to take him in the second round. What was he, the 45th pick or something? Like That's where yeah. Winfield was taken. That's where he was going to take this guy. He – values that skill set a ton you know david johnson was the same, kind of the same, coming out of college like that was a guy he bruce arians loved and obviously he did it all but he was another guy that had a wide receiver background and he played in the slot a ton and he they, he hasn't had a guy like that in tampa bay he didn't have a guy like that last year in tampa bay at all giovanni bernard is just a totally different cat than rojo and lenny i hope giovanni bernard doesn't make me look bad and shows bucks fans just what i mean about how different he is in the passing game than those guys even little things that fans will miss sometimes on like, oh, it's an incompletion. Well, fans might just think of it as an incompletion or maybe even call it a bad throw, but a lot of time it's Rojo not being where he should be or Lenny not being where he should be or not being there on time or not getting their head around or not getting their hands up. Gio is really, really good at all the little details that most people don't even think about when they're watching a football game, and that's going to make a big difference, and I wouldn't surprise me if he ends up stealing a lot of snaps because of it. Certainly not in games where they're whooping the other team, but – He's going to steal some snaps because of it, I think. He's also an underrated rusher, too. I mean, he put up 400 yards last year as a secondary running back behind one of the league's worst offensive lines. You know, so he's not going to – He's not. I mean, it's not going to get you a 1,000-yard season. But, you know, he can He can definitely steal into not just some of the, the pass protection and the pass catching duties, but also as a, as a runner he might steal, you know, especially if yeah. you – that's that's I think that's the biggest complaint I've heard with Bucks fans is Rojo. If you leave Rojo out there, you, it's almost telling the defense that you're gonna, you know, that you're only gonna run it. You're not gonna pass it on first or second mm-hmm. down. He's out there. It's too much of a tell. And if you have Giovanni Bernard out there, it's almost telling the the defense that you're gonna pass it because you're gonna use him in pass protection. And you know, if you leave, but Gio's not a slouch runner either. He's remember one of the worst O lines in the league, and I think yes. he could offer something. James White, who everyone was screaming for, including myself, um, you know, is a worse runner than Giovanni Bernard. Yeah. So uh, Giovanni Bernard is one of the most consistent pass catchers that hasn't caught less than 30 balls since he's entered the league. And we've already talked about his prowess as a pass blocking mm-hmm. back. But right. Yeah. I think we might see a lot of game plan again with the game plan specific. But it's just when you have this much talent it, and on the roster, it allows you to go in from week to week and look at the matchup. Okay, this is a really stout run defense. Do we yeah. want to be fit more physical with them? Well, we'll give the ball to Rojo and break them down. I mean, not Rojo, sorry, Leonard Fournette, break them down a little bit. And then once they're, you know, once we beat him up with Leonard, with Lenny, now we throw Rojo in there and boom. See, I'd the almost look at that the opposite. To me, I'd rather have Rojo in there for the games you're going to run a lot and Lenny in there for the games where you might want to be more pass-heavy because he's going to be more likely to be an impact guy than Rojo in that regard. And, and Ronald Jones, frankly, runs harder and breaks more tackles than Leonard Fournette. You know, he's a he's a more runner, in my opinion. So that's how I would see it. Ace Andrews asked a good question. Do you think the question, that all this is overemphasized? Who cares who's running back one? Considering <laughs> – Bruce Arians hasn't shown that he's married to any running back being the bell cow back, so to speak. Yeah. Um, I sort of overrated, but also because they're both are going to play, but also it 
clearly mattered last year, though, even though we make fun of, you know, there were times where Leonard got carries. Rojo was clearly the guy and produced as such. So for fantasy football owners, yeah, I think it will matter. Um, it will still be crazy when Bruce Arians – it will still be maddening to them when Bruce Arians plays you know, Leonard Fournette out of the blue for a game for 20 snaps or Rojo <laughs> plays 15 or 10. You know, that will add them crazy. But there was still a clear-cut top back last year, top producing back. And so when we talk about it in terms of that, I think that still matters, even though, yeah, he, you know, Rojo's never going to be a 300 carry back for, for Bruce Arians. That's not going to happen. So, yeah, there's some truth to it, Ace, but I think there's still, you know, worth discussing for the, for those reasons that and Rojo crazy, still probably would be the guy. And, and I agree. I think Rojo's going to probably be the guy as well again. I mean, he was last year. I think he will be again this year. It might, it might be split up a little bit different, um, you know, recency bias what what you know when uh, playoff lenny keep calling him that what leonard Fournette did in the playoffs is still you know going to be fresh in the coaches minds too they're okay he proved it in the in the and when it counted the most the moment's not too big for him you heard in the latest current of uh episode of the current you know tom brady speak to that as well there's some guys who you know they they you know rise to the occasion they elevate and Leonard Fournette's one of those guys to elevate, and coaches aren't going to forget that. Teammates aren't going to forget that. So it might buy him a little bit more leeway. At the end of the day, all of these guys are probably off the roster next year. If Rojo has another great season, he's going to command money. The Bucks probably aren't going to pay him. Leonard Fournette probably doesn't stick around. And then Giovanni Bernard, aging veteran, do you bring him back? The one guy yes. that we haven't talked about as much is Keyshawn Vaughn. And that's yeah. the true wild card in this backfield is what can this – because if you look what he did at Vanderbilt, running behind, I think it was the 148th ranked offensive line in the SEC. And then you go back and watch the tape of what he did at to LSU. Whew. I mean, yeah. the boy showed that he, he, he showed that he's got it and that he can yeah. handle it. Um, it's, you know, obviously getting off to a terrible start last year, getting COVID right away, you mm. know, in, in, uh, in training camp and not having a true training camp offseason like that, you know, but – Bruce is like what we've seen so far, you know, working out in the offseason. I don't know. What, what do you think, John? What, are, are we sleeping on Keyshawn Vaughn? Well, right now, the Keyshawn Vaughn's not much more than an insurance policy for the Bucks. And speaking of insurance policies, you're going to want to make sure you go over to Briar Greaves Insurance. You don't stay in business for over 30 years if you aren't doing something right. Briar Greaves does a lot of things right, but none more than giving exceptional personal service to their insurance customers. We all need insurance, whether it's life, homeowners, auto, or even commercial insurance. Briar and Sam Greaves and their staff are the best in the area and big Bucks fans. It will literally take you 10 minutes to get a quote or compare your current policy, and that 10 minutes could turn into hundreds of dollars in savings. Don't wait. Call Briar Greaves today at 813-876-4166, 813-876-4166, and find out how much money you can put back in your pocket 30 years in business and buck season ticket holders call Briar or Sam today. Yeah. Keyshawn Vaughn is say, you hold on before you go into it. I just got to say heck of a heck of a transition. Heck of a that's transition. What that's what we do. That's what we do on the Peter report podcast. That's, that's what we do. What can I say? But Keyshawn Vaughn. Yeah. Right now it's like, okay, if he can get over the fumbling fumbles and get over the drops, then we've got maybe a guy who can contribute, be a third down back eventually. Maybe he could be a, ball, a part of a committee backfield. Those, to me, are probably the ceilings with him. Not dissimilar to what I thought pre-draft or going into the draft. I thought that was kind of – that was about as good as it would get probably for Keyshawn Vaughn in the NFL. 
I still feel that way. Uh, maybe I feel a little bit less likely that he hits that ceiling, but maybe I'm being too judgmental based off a of small sample size. And, you know, I, I, I like his mentality. Honestly, he kind of has an edge to him. He's, mm. he's a confident dude. Um, I kind of like that about him. I, I think that there could be something there with that. So, man, I, I am, I, I am, I'm anxious to see him because of the level of responsibility he will have had to have taken with his own game, right? Like the stuff he needs to get better at is like catching the football, just straight up ball security, just straight up. Like, you know, pass protecting the mental, you know, how quickly can you progress through things, your technique and taking on blocks. That's going to be huge to watch that in backs on backers for him. And then obviously special teams, you know, whether he contributes as a kicker turner or whether he contributes as a, as just a coverage guy, you can't be the run fourth running back on the team and ever be active on game days unless you're a great special teams contributor. He's got a long way to go in that regard, obviously, because that wasn't a big role for him last year. But if he proves himself in that way, and he's got three preseason games on his side that he didn't have last year to prove it, then he could be active on game days. Then you're talking about, all right, like somebody gets hurt, somebody has a fumble, somebody's the Gibson drop. Are you showing on five snaps here? You know? And so then you have a chance to start flashing and making an impact a little bit. And there were times certainly where that happened with him last year. He caught a touchdown. He looked good in Detroit running the football. Um, Bruce Arians has said, I think he could be a lead back for us. You know, we'll see if that's lip service or not, but he's going to be one of the – he and Tyler Johnson, to me, are the two guys that we've talked about so far, and Darden, obviously, as well, that I can't wait to see. Leonard Rojo, I mean, yeah, I think that it's a fun matchup to talk about, but I don't know if we're going to find out in camp. I mean, it's going to be hard to say we're going to find out in camp. There's not a position you learn less about than a pure running back, and that's what those guys are. They have pass catcher and Giovanni Bernard now. There's not a position you learn less about in camp than the running back position, especially in the team drills. So we're going to have to wait and see with those guys. But ultimately, Keyshawn Vaughn, yeah, a lot to prove in camp, and a lot of it's going to come on special teams in the preseason yeah. as well. So can't and wait to watch him. And it's funny, too, because the things that you touched on, ball security and pass protection, was one of the things that attracted to them in the first place because he was, you know, he was great with the ball, with ball security and one of the best pass protectors in college. The thing that, you know, you, what you said is, you know, they think they can, he can be a lead back, you know, and, uh, and, and for, for the team. And it brings me back to when he got drafted and Jason Light said that they had a second round grade on him the year prior. So if you would have came, you know, they they thought about taking him in the second round if he would have came out the prior year because he came back, had the atrocious offensive line. You know, he kind of fell down a little bit, which yeah. was still a bit of an early pick for some people. Some people thought it was really early in the third round. But, you know, it just right. shows the confidence they have. And then obviously Bruce coming on and, and, and telling you that he thinks he's going to have a breakout year. Yeah, it shows the the confidence that they still have in this kid, even after an up and down season. So, right. you know, I'm, like you like you said, I'm excited to see what he can do, what some of these offensive skill players can do, uh, going into camp next week. Yeah, when your coaches believe in you, I, even at their age, of these players, I think that means a lot, and I think that that shouldn't be you know understated. That that's important, and I think the Bucks have really had Keyshawn Vaughn's back. I mean, a lot of drops, a lot of fumbles, and a very small sample size. Be easier to you know, be a little frustrated, but they've really consist consistently stood by him. So we'll see if that ends up mattering. Bucks time 12 says, why do I feel like getting home insurance all of a sudden? Hey, give him a call. Give Brad Greaves a call. Bucks time telling you they might be able to help you save some money for sure. All right, let's talk about the quarterback position. We've got uh, an interesting battle for number two, right? I mean, we can call it a battle, I guess, but Blaine Gabbert, Kyle Trask, I think we both, or I'll speak for myself and let you speak for you, but I expect Blaine Gabbert to win that job. What I want to know is I want to come out of the preseason and I want to be able to say, all right, Gabbert's the number two. He's experienced. They're trying to win Super Bowl this year. That experience could matter if something happened. You know, the, he'll be the second quarterback active on game days, yada, yada. I get it. But Kyle Trask, like, he might be better than Blaine Gabbert. Like, 
already. Like that might be true already. Might not have the experience. Maybe the mental stuff no needs to come along. The communication stuff still needs to come along. But like I saw enough in preseason to think Kyle Trask, yeah, he could be better than Blaine Gabbard if something happened to Tom Brady. Don't say that around Bruce and Jason. <laughs> I know, or Scott. <laughs> yeah, you might lose some credibility there. But no, I think you know it, it is coming down. I mean, you look at some people want to say it's a it's a battle between uh, Griffin and Gabbert. You know those two. But you just look at the contract and you can tell that Gabbert's going to be the guy who's going to stick around. And you know it's going to be Brady Gabbert Trask. And one thing you know I we recently spoke with Griffin and, and I you guys spoke with him here on the Pewter uh, Report podcast. Uh, what was it? Two weeks ago. Two weeks uh, ago, I, I think. Yeah, I spoke with him early in the offseason. I asked him the question straight out. You know, with this, with Trask coming in, and, and you know, with this group of quarterbacks, you know, are you comfortable if you have to it, have to play on that on the practice squad? Is that something that you're that you're comfortable in doing? And you know, he said any any way you can help this team, and and I don't think it's lip service coming from Ryan Griffin. I don't think if he's offered a number two job, sure, but I don't think he's going to go somewhere to be the number three. You know, I think he'll come back here and be the quarterback on the practice squad if the Bucks will have him and help with the development of Kyle Trask. But, you know, I think by season's end, Trask will, will probably overtake Gabbert as the number two quarterback on this roster. Just this, mm. the, you know, the skills alone. You know, I mean, yeah, Gabbert's yeah. got the smarts, but yeah, like you if said, it we can happen by week one, though. It's out, right? I mean, like, there's no way because. Once in the season, Trask won't have any chance for reps. It'll be Bob Blaine Gabbard shows the number two guy. I don't think he can overtake him once the season starts, unless Blaine Gabbard plays and sucks. That's the only way I think that there's well, a change I mean, there. That's a thing too, and you know I kind of wrote about it in in our round round table. Um, you know, we the Bucks have the easiest schedule right in in the league, and there might be some of these games. And you look back to what the 2007 Patriots did when they had a pretty easy schedule following their Super Bowl win and having this loaded roster, there might be some games that we might see, you know, like Detroit games early in the schedule and later down the schedule where Brady might be out by halftime and we might get to see Kyle Trask. We might to see Blaine Gabbert. We might to get to see some of these younger guys going, going to the game. Fingers That's crossed. Hope. That'd be great. Yes. And Scott would love to see Blaine Gabbert play, I'm sure. That luscious hair, the luscious locks for sure. Someone That's said, Paul – Paul Vo says, I can't wait for the Trask era. He might be the only person that believes that. Slow down. I mean, not, not a knock on Trask, just like if you're wishing away the Brady era, <laughs> you know. Don't do it. That's a bold strategy. Bucks time 12 wants to know, will Brady make the team? Great question. Really tough. We actually should have probably titled this podcast, Will Brady Make the Team? That would have oh, we've got a, we've Yeah, that would have been our, right that been our focus point. Yeah, we have huge views, right? Exactly. Um, yeah, so uh, uh, Michael wants to know how much – what's that? Lost all credibility, but you know, know yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a lot of views, no credibility. Michael Anderson <laughs> wants to know how much will Trask play in the preseason games? It's a good question, but one we don't know the answer to yet. We don't know how coaches will approach these three preseason games. My guess is, though, you'll see Brady a little bit in the first game, maybe a drive or two, and you'll see the starters that. And then I would guess you'll see Gabbard and Trask. If it's a real competition, maybe you'll see one start, you know, Gabbard and then Trask starts or after, you know, starts game two or, you know, plays game two or is the second quarterback in game two. And then they flip flop and Gabbard gets two opportunities to be QB two um, or QB one in the third game. That would be my guess. But I bet Brady plays a driver two or maybe not at all in the first game, maybe a quarter in the second game, maybe not even that much. And then really after that, I mean, I would say 
Yeah. You know, for game three, he's not going to play at all, I guarantee no. you. It's, it's going to be interesting because, you know, going back and when we had four preseason games, we would look at it, you'd have a little bit, maybe they skip game one, play a little in two, and then thir- the third game was a dress rehearsal, and then it's just Jags all, you know, yeah. Jags in the, in the fourth game. Well, now with only three, it's going to change up a little bit. I think because the second game is against a team like the Tennessee Titans, I think Brady might play a little bit longer because I think he might want to get up just a little bit to play Mike Brabel, especially after the ending of his Patriots tenure happened. He ain't going to care about That's the team he was talking about, though. That's the team he was talking about on that. Oh, you dropping it? Are you dropping it? I'm not dropping. I'm just saying that's what it was. Like people can people can call me a liar or say it's wrong or whatever, but no, that's I believe my boy Ben Albright. He said it and I believe him. And I Rich Eisen is a pine the same thing. And yeah, I mean it's the only team that makes sense when you really think about it. They're, that's yeah. the the team Brady was talking about that had that MF ahead of him. That's that was the Titans. That was Ryan Tannehill. Ryan yeah. Tannehill's 79 passing yards or whatever it was, 75 passing yards. Uh was, He's got uh, better numbers than Mahomes the last yeah, 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 yeah. What are you right. talking about, John? Brian <laughs> Jadiel's 75 passing yards in that in that playoff win against Tom Brady and the Patriots uh, did not inspire awe from the GOAT. So, yeah, that's that's the team. So, it'll be man, fun. Is that kid lucky got Derrick Henry behind him. Uh, I think Tannehill's played well. Don't get me wrong. He did not play well in that game, and he certainly was not the catalyst for that 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 win at all. You know that. So, I mean, yeah, but I, I think he's played well for sure. Oh, is that good? Yeah. I mean, I would. I don't know if – I would have probably taken Brady. I think you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, but yeah, I'd probably would have taken Brady before. Yeah, I think I, I think the third game is where you'll see you know most of the, the yeah. back guys start that game. So this is interesting, and this we'll use this to kind of close things out here. Marissa wants to know your thoughts on the MCL issue and if the Bucks should get penalized. I researched this. I'm not sure if you have, but technically, yes, they should get penalized. Um, I think because it says in the rules that I saw quoted in an article, it was quoted. So I'm assuming that's what they actually say in the article is not lying. Hard to know in today's world. <laughs> but in the article that I saw, I thought that it made it clear that even if the player does not miss practice, if there is a significant injury, um, then it needs to be detailed, needs to be included in the report, even if they don't miss practice and they're a full participant. Clearly this would qualify if he played with it in the season, I don't know where they could get around that. Now, the question is, can anybody prove that? Can the league prove it when it was told? I mean, I guess he got surgery after, but, can, you know, will, that, will they be? I don't know how that process works, you know, what they have access it, to be able to see. And can they get plausible deniability? You know, we knew Brady, you know, had a sore knee, but we didn't know it was an MCL. Brady didn't tell us. He went to outside. I mean, there's tons of ways for them to get out of it. Technically, yes, when a player has a serious injury, it needs to be put on the on the on the injury report. But we saw the same thing with Cam Brate, what two years ago? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he was injured uh, and played the season with a full injury and never was on the pra- on the uh, on the uh, report. Same thing with JPP. I mean, JPP said he played with a sixty to seventy percent knee, you yeah. know, the entire season, and he wasn't. So I mean, teams. Yeah, he was on there though. Not every game though. Every week, a JPP was on the injury report, like all season long. Yeah. He just was – he didn't participate. He didn't even practice most of the season, bro. I know he didn't. But, I JPP, mean, yeah, he was he was playing game days and that was it. And veteran – Sue had – Sue practiced only twice. No, he was on there with the knee. He was on there with the knee. Okay. I wasn't yeah, sure so, if he was on there every yeah, week. Yeah, he was on there. But, yeah, Brady wasn't. So, I think, Marissa, they probably will get some type of penalty. I would guess it's, like, just a fine. But maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I have to look the the history of that kind of – It's I mean, Brady. It's 
dock him a draft pick and yeah. find oh, Brady $500,000 and take his rings away. And Yeah, we'll see. Know. We'll see what happens. I don't know how they're going to treat that. It's really all about whether they can prove anything or not. And I don't think – I don't know if we know that yet. Thomas Arbuckle says, let's go black and gold. I appreciate the support for the Steelers, Thomas. You might be in the wrong place, but I appreciate sports. <laughs> Steelers sign Melvin Ingram. Let's go. Tony yeah. says Pittsburgh will finish third in their division. I like the optimism. Not sure it'll be that high. We'll see. Sorry. I got to we'll agree see. with Tony. I got to agree with Tony there. It's possible. Tony. For sure. Thomas also would like us to know that Brady sucks. So he's definitely Thank in the wrong place. Uh, Thank you, Thomas. Maybe at some point, go back and watch the 2020 season, Thomas, and you <laughs> might might change your mind uh, for sure. So that's good stuff. It's been fun. Uh, Brady off group training is going to be fun. Yeah, there isn't a lot of roster spots made up for grabs or definitely not starting spots up for grabs at least, but there's going to be a lot of player development to watch with Trask and Darden and Tyler Johnson and Keyshawn Vaughn. There's going to be all eyes on those guys. And guess what? On a team this good and this set in stone, those guys are going to get to play a lot and get a lot of reps. So we're going to learn a lot about them during the preseason that we couldn't learn last season because of how limited the opportunities were. So it's going to be fun. Tomorrow on the show, we preview, we carry on the preview series. We go O-line and D-line. And we take a look at the Bucks on both of those sides of the ball. The camp battles, O-line number nine, the last O-lineman that they'll probably roster, we guess. That spot's up for grabs. We'll look at the defensive line. You've got a hot take. You're not going to be on the show. Matt Matera will be on the show with me, I believe, tomorrow. But you, you, you're, uh, you've you got a hot take uh, on the defensive line. I saw your article. Go, People go back and check out uh, his defense, Josh's defensive line preview on pewterreport.com he's got a hot take in there on a guy who could be on the bubble that i don't buy but we'll see what matt thinks tomorrow on the show as we talk o-line and d-line and look at those positions and then on wednesday wednesday yeah wednesday we are going to talk about the defensive backfield linebackers and dbs we're going to talk about uh, on and the camp battles that could be happening there and then thursday we've got a fun show lined up i can't i don't know we might deviate from what you think is the show topic josh because about an hour before the show I had a fun show topic kind of trickle through my mind, and I might just surprise y'all with it on Wednesday and be like, hey, change your plans. Here's what we're doing. But it's going to be like a full staff show, I think, on Thursday. So I've already got my, my, my head wrapped around who who, who oh, the topic could be. So, I mean. Yeah, well, we'll be, yeah. hey, Tony thinks Tom Brady's coming on the pod. So, yeah, Tony, that's a possibility. Let's, let's just say that's a possibility. Let's just say that. We'll Fingers crossed, it. right? Yeah, check in on Thursday to see if Tom Brady is on the Pewter Report podcast, please. That would be great. Now nah, y'all watch anyway. Y'all are great. stick with Thursday's topic. It will directly core the the person I'm thinking of will directly correlate to tomorrow's topic. So watch tomorrow for sure. If I don't know what you just said, I don't know either. <laughs> <laughs> we need to get off this. Show. I was not trying to like give away Thursday's topic because you said it might not no, be the topic, it's, but right, it's going to be something different. I don't think you know what the, like what okay. we said was going to be Thursday's topic. I might just change it up. Because I've got an idea that I think is going to be a ton of fun to talk about. And it's going to be related to something that happens in another sport on Wednesday. There's your hint. There's the hint for everybody. You've got your hint. You've got it in mind. That's your hint for Thursday's show topic. It's going to be fun. So anyway, appreciate you all tuning in, jumping in here with us, as always, on another edition of the Pewter Report podcast. Out. Peace.